This is the Beard Winner Podcast, Episode 10. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Beard Winner Podcast. You're going to get a weird double intro here because first and foremost, it would be improper if I didn't say, I'm sorry I haven't been up to the release schedule that we're used to. I promised you in the beginning I would have you a bi-weekly dose every other Thursday, and I missed that. Um, Things happen. Life has definitely been going a million miles per hour. I have never worked so hard in my life while loving every moment of it. Uh, Working on the software side of the cannabis industry is amazing. I have harped on that in previous episodes, so we're not going to do that. But I've been waiting a long time to be able to have this friend on here from this podcast. His name is Jeff. He's going to join us here for our 10th episode. I can't believe we are on 10 episodes already. And he's going to talk about his experience with photography, travel, and give some tips and techniques and hopefully help those who are maybe on the cusp of doing photography, maybe those who have been shy and have stepped back because they just haven't had the gumption or, you know, the the ability to say, I want to go out and shoot pictures of birds. And maybe this is your jumping off point. I hope it serves that. And the next episode that's in the works, just for those who know that I'm not sitting my laurels and I'm really trying to be a weekend warrior and get you these episodes, I'm going to have my friend Alan on. He's from Estes Park, Colorado. Alex, who was on a previous episode of the Beard Winter Podcast, is actually on the other side of the Rockies near Loveland, Colorado, and he can see the fires from his backyard currently. Um, as, as of October 16th or 15th, he posted on Facebook where he could see the fires of the mountains, you know, just with his camera on his, his cell phone, I believe, or his friend shot the photo. I just, I want to be accurate here, but they shot the photo and you could see the actual flames on the mountains. It's just unbelievable. And... Allen is in Estes Park, and right now you cannot get from Loveland, Colorado in the foothills to the deep mountains where Estes Park is, which is the north end of Rocky Mountain National Park because of this massive inferno. So we're going to try to have Allen join us via Skype. Uh, it should air two weeks from this last Thursday because I want to get back on the normal release schedule. But I really appreciate everyone for your patience, and I hope you enjoy this episode with Jeff. The sound is going to be a little spotty. I'm going to do my best to clean it up and post. Um, my apologies. I'm not sure if the correct mic was coming through or whatnot, but um, it's been a pleasure to sit down with this guy because he is a great friend, and I hope that you enjoy the 11th installment that's coming soon. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for your patience and tuning in to the 10th edition of the Beard Winner Podcast. I am joined by a friend who I feel like I've known forever. Uh, his name is Jeff Peterson. He used to be out of Utah, but he is now in Wyoming. Jeff has been shooting ever since he was in high school when he picked up a 35mm camera. He has over 32 years of experience in the field. Thus, I can definitely say this guy knows his way around a national park, and he's prepared for emergencies or anything Mother Nature has to throw at him. So how are you doing today, Jeff? I'm doing great, Aaron. Glad to be on the podcast. Hey, I'm glad to have you. So like I alluded to in the beginning, you're not in Utah anymore. Where are you now? I mean, this is exciting news for anyone who is a photographer and loves national parks, wildlife. I mean, go ahead and spill the beans. Yeah, so I convinced my wife finally to move out of Cedar City, Utah. 
which was quite the quite the event. And I am now living in West Yellowstone, um, Montana, and I'm about oh nine miles from the west entrance of uh, Yellowstone National Park. So uh, I'm I'm in my happy place, as I like to call it. Um, lots to do around here, lots to see, lots to uh, photograph. So I'm, I'm loving it so far. The move has been kind of rough, but winter's almost on us, and uh, I'm looking forward to our uh, our winter this year. Yeah, and are you going to hunker down? Because I, I know that you guys also, um, you take captivating photos, but another hobby of yours is you make jewelry and you lead photography adventures. What's really what once you get settled what's the plan for that well my jewelry is kind of something to keep me out of trouble when i'm not out shooting um, i really enjoy it because it's uh, it's very creative and um, i also fly fish so that was the other reason for moving here is i love to fly fish so i'm in just about the perfect spot for fly fishing within about an hour drive i've got a, more places to fish than i can count um, so my plan for the winter is, is to get out and photograph as much as possible this winter um, with, uh, in the cold and, and wintry weather, because I think that's, uh, that's a time that a lot of photographers uh, kind of hide indoors. But, uh, and then on the days where I can't get out, I plan to work on my jewelry and um, build up some inventory of that and sell that again next year at my shows. Oh, heck yeah. And also, just so people know how I know you, we've been fortunate enough, and we, being my father and I, we've known you since 2015, and Jeff and I met on a photography adventure in China, of all places, and we became fast friends because both of us have traveled together so often. And speaking of going out there when it's all snowy, your buddy Tim and my father joined you, and my dad are joined you guys all out in Yellowstone, and it's pretty brutal out there. I mean, but the photos that you get are definitely worth it. I mean, there were situations where Tim was saying that he had. Oh, yeah, there's, there's. Go ahead. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Tim, Tim actually froze his face to the back of his camera, so um, <laughs> that was entertaining. That's exactly what I was going to say on that one. And, and with that are the pictures of the, the frozen um, droplets on the mustaches that you guys all sport just because it's so darn cold. But that dedication to get out there and shoot those photos is really why my dad definitely became a fast friend with you, especially with your ability to share your gear. I, I remember being in Zion with you back in uh, 2015, 2016 and saying, hey, go ahead and strap your camera body onto this huge lens and get some pictures of some bighorn sheep. And then you invite him out to Yellowstone. And then next thing I know, you guys are booking a trip to Kenya to go on safari. And, and what really made you decide to go to Africa the first time? Because I know that trip in 2019 in February, that was not your first adventure out there. So I've always enjoyed uh, wildlife and watching wildlife and photographing it. Photographing wildlife is, is, is kind of different than landscape. Um, it requires a little bit more planning, and you have no control over the animal. So when you get a great shot uh, doing wildlife photography, you end up really appreciating it a lot more. Um, so I, I always wanted to go to Africa, and actually my plan is, is uh, to go to all the continents, and I only have two to go, and I'll get those on the same trip, and that's uh, South America and Antarctica. 
So that's my goal is to photograph and travel to every continent in the world, just so I can say I did it. Because it's something that not everybody gets to do. No. Um, but Africa is my, man, that's a special place because you see things that you just aren't going to see anywhere else. And it, I was, I was there the first time and I only spent a week my first trip there. And I came home from that trip and I was absolutely hooked on Africa. So already planning my next trip back. Um, probably won't be this next year, but the following year, I want to go see the mountain gorillas and before they're gone. Nice. And, and with that, you're probably the one who put that bug in my dad's ear to go to Antarctica because as soon as he got back from Africa, he's like, all right, I want to go to Antarctica. And doesn't that involve sailing across some of the roughest sea in the world? I mean, you can get lucky, I heard, but it's, it's, you better have your sea legs if you're going to go to Antarctica. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, uh, every once in a while, somebody gets lucky on the crossings. But yeah, it is the roughest ocean in the world. And I've talked to people who have gone, and they sometimes will have days where they can't leave their bed because the uh, ship is being tossed about so much. They just be saying, I have to lay there and hang on. So, oh, wow. I'm kind of looking forward to that. It sounds like a lot of fun to me, but the trip I want to go on, they only do it every other year. Okay. And it lasts for almost a whole month. So, um, that's my that's my trip. It's a, not a cheap trip. They run about twenty to twenty two thousand just for the boat ride. Wow. Okay. So that's definitely going to be one I probably because of the sea worthiness that I don't have and also the cost that you'll probably be going with my dad solo on. So you'll have to definitely keep an eye on him. But are you guys going to go through South America? Is that kind of the plan as well? Because you alluded to crossing two continents off your list, or have you already been down there? Um, yeah, I will. Um, when I get off the boat, my plan is, is I'm going to go to Patagonia okay, and probably go up and go to Brazil and go to into the Amazon. That'd be beautiful. And what are you looking for in South America? Just a, a various amount of wildlife, birds, any mammals that you're looking for specifically? or I'd like to see the guanacos uh, in the wild. Um, I'd love to see a puma down there uh, in in the Amazon, I would I want to go there to photograph the, the uh, jaguars. Oh, very cool! Yeah, I mean, you have photos and, of. And if I'm really lucky, I'm really lucky. I'll get a jaguar attacking. Yeah, because you and my father were able to get that leopard Bahati in Africa, and I mean that's kind of the yin to the yang of the leopard and you know the jaguar. So I mean, having both of those and actually, like you said, you can't control the wildlife and seeing them in their element outside of a zoo or a, a safari preserve that's in the United States or something to that effect is definitely not the same experience because you guys were even able to do things like hot air balloon rides and see giraffe and other wildlife from, you know, hundreds of feet above the ground. So that's got to be an experience in itself. Oh, yeah, that was, you know, the balloon trip was one of the highlights of our trip this last time. Um, but, yeah, seeing... Seeing African wildlife in Africa is totally different than going to a zoo and seeing it. You get to see the animals doing natural behaviors that you wouldn't see otherwise. Um, we, got see, we got to see the Fab Five, um, which was quite the treat because it's pretty unheard of a coalition of five cheetahs hanging out together, um, especially males. So we got to see that. 
Um, and I got one of my favorite photographs that I've gotten um, there one morning when we were heading out. The uh, we, we were there when there was a full moon, mm-hmm. and the moon was setting just as we uh, just about to the lion's were where we were headed, and we passed a small group of elephants, and I got a picture of the elephants in the twilight with the moon setting behind them, and the driver couldn't understand why I wanted him to stop, but when I showed him later what I why I wanted him to stop, he was... He was impressed, so that was, and I have that one actually hanging here in my house. Oh, beautiful. Well, if you have a, a link to it, I'd love to share it, or, you know, if you have it on Facebook or Instagram where the audience can see it, that'd be amazing, because the shots that most people don't realize are the ones that could be behind you, above you, and once you have that idea in your head, it's good that you had a guide who was ready to hit the brakes, because it sounded like you guys went on game drives in the mornings and the evenings, and the guides that were out there were totally in tune with, hey, these people are out here to make beautiful photos. They have a vision, and they are very respectful and complimentary to that vision. Oh, yeah. They, they're, a lot of them are photographers themselves. Cool. So they understand getting you in the right place for the shots. So these are, these are some of the best drivers um, that you can possibly ask for mm-hmm. in this camp that we go to. And that's why I keep going back and why I will keep going back because you just get, they're just fantastic at finding the animals and and getting you that, that unbelievable shot that you're looking for. And also the protection there too. I mean, they, they have, uh, Masse guards there and it's not just for protection from poachers, but also wild animals. I don't know if you encountered that, but I'm sure my dad's shared the story where he was walking along a path at twilight, either pre-dawn and the guard just put his, his staff down and there was a poisonous snake and it just went right across in front of you guys but no I wouldn't have been keen to notice that but the guards were there for multiple reasons and making your trip feel safe and also make sure that you got the most out of it what was that like uh, it's awesome you know the funny thing is is the one night and nobody really knew about it because um, I was the only one up but the, the Messiah was telling me that uh, a leopard had come through camp that night Wow. <laughs> yeah, because we'd photographed this leopard in the area. Mm-hmm. I mean, she lived really close to our camp, and she actually came through hunting um, one morning. So we got to see, you know, I didn't get to see her, but he was telling me about it while I was out trying to take pictures of the Milky Way. That is so cool. So when's the next trip back? I know 2020 has been, been canceled. Are you looking at 2021 or 2022 with that Antarctica trip coming up? I'm going to go 2022 probably again. Okay. Um, I think what I'm going to, I might go late 2021 if I can get it set up, but I'm planning on 2022. I figured it'd be a good break from the cold here to uh, head down to Africa uh, just to get away from, get away from the snow that year. Oh, for sure. And, and so with you being a traveling type, like my father and I, how have things changed? I mean, definitely we talked about this with uh, Elise Bender, who's a, a mutual friend of ours, but how has COVID impacted you personally now that we're later in the year? I mean, this year seems to be canceled for a lot of us, but what are, are your plans for 2021? Are you going to start traveling again, setting up shows? I mean, I, I know that your feet have to be itching. What's going to be next? I'm going crazy, but yeah, this year has been quite the disaster. I actually, before we started here, I looked at my Lightroom catalog and for the entire year of 2020, I've only taken 900 images. That's very few for you, sir. 
Yeah, that's very <laughs> few considering that they were all taken in the month of August. Gotcha. So, yeah, I haven't been out nearly as much as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the problem, though, was is I did have a knee replacement surgery in the first week of March. Okay. Just as COVID was getting going. Um, but I kind of knew that I was going to have some time off because a couple of the shows I was going to do, I didn't get into. So I thought, oh, this is the perfect time. I've needed this for a while. So I got my knee replacement done. And then I figured I'll be back up and running by the end of April. You know, they said eight weeks would be good to go, which I was. But by then, chaos had ensued. And every time I opened my email, it was another show canceling. Oh, no. So it's just like it got to the point where I didn't want to open my email because I'm like, oh, man, I'm just I'm not making any money. And it was really quite depressing for a while there because a lot of how I fund my travels is off of the print sales that I do. 100%. And so, I mean, you're more of a high volume print selling photographer on there. So, I mean, that's definitely has to cut to your bottom line. Have people been accommodating and trying to reach out to you online or is it just totally a different experience than having that ability to interact with someone, talk about the photo and get the insight into why you took the photo? Because to me, that's why people buy photos because of the passion that you put into it and the story that you tell. You know, yeah, a lot of how I sell my stuff is at these shows, you, yeah, you make a connection with the people and you can tell them the story behind the picture. And a lot of times the story will sell, sell the image better than any high pressure sales stuff that you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, uh, typically when I go to a show, about 90% of my sales are at the show. And then I'll pick up about 10% after the fact. Um, it's funny because I just delivered a print two days ago to somebody who's met me at a show, saw the image two years ago. Wow. That's and she finally got around to purchasing the image. And she actually did a custom, custom order size because she had a very specific spot she wanted to fit. So I had to print it into her spot. And it was actually a picture I took with your dad and here in Yellowstone in the winter uh, a few years ago. Oh, nice. Was it a landscape or wildlife? It's my uh, bison, bison in the mist image. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I'll, we'll have to make sure that everyone heads over to Red Cliff's uh, Photographies, and I'll make sure that I link to uh, Red Cliff Photography's Facebook page just so people can find that image because... With that, I, I may be partial to you and my dad's work, but you're probably some of the best wildlife photographers I've actually ever seen. Well, thanks. I, I, you know, I enjoy being out there, and it's like, it's like you're hunting with a camera. Yeah. Um, it's just there's something about it. It's, you know, sitting in the rain for five hours just so you can get a picture of a, a baby bear, or you know, s- sitting in a blind trying to get pictures of birds. Mm-hmm. It just there's something about it. It's almost zen-like at times. Yeah, and like you said, you have no control over the animal. And so you may be sitting there for, like you said, five hours waiting for a, a large mammal like a moose to turn around so you get better f- photos than just its hindquarters so you can actually get them to work it. And other times you get really lucky. Like I, I know you know that photo my dad and I got a couple years ago where the clouds broke through and that elk just had this unbelievable light that looked like it was photoshopped in, but we had a break in the clouds and 
and you also want to throw some humor in there because the animal actually stuck its tongue out and we posted that the following Monday saying, oh, this is how it feels to be on a Monday. So that's the, the beauty and also the complication of wildlife photography is they're so unpredictable, especially birds. They can be so skittish. Even you, you get out of the car with your huge lens, you start walking as slowly as you possibly can to get closer and closer to get not have to crop a million percent into the image and they fly off. How do you deal with that? You know, a lot of my bird stuff, I, um, I, I'll set up like a blind or something. Mm-hmm. Um, at my old house, I had a, uh, I had a nice setup where I could go to different parts of my, I had seven acres and I could walk around the property and I had little spots that I had set up and I could bring the birds in with food. I had, I had, I can't tell you how many hummingbird feeders. I think I had 20 at one point. Wow. So I could always get, hummingbirds were fun. I had four feeders around my front porch and I would sit out there in the morning and they'd become used to you. As a matter of fact, they start buzzing you because the feeders are getting low. And so they were pretty easy, but you learn a lot taking pictures of birds about light and how it affects how the animal looks. So I played around with a lot of flash photography with birds and I learned a lot just sitting out on my front porch, playing around, trying to, change where I had my flash so that I could uh, get the perfect picture. And we're using on-camera flash or we're using off-camera because for those who are not as advanced as you and also because it's perfect being stuck in our houses and people can maybe set something up not to that extreme but to their own level in their backyard, did you A, use on-camera flash and B, what's some tips for you know figuring that out? Or is it trial and error? I, I used an off-camera flash. Okay. And depending upon what I was trying to photograph, I found that like with the hummingbirds, if I had the flash off to either the right or the left of where I was shooting from, so I was coming in at about a 30 degree angle to the camera from the camera, mm-hmm. um, you, that didn't blow out the, the feathers as much. So my goal was, is I wanted to see how much detail I could get in that picture. And by having that light kind of glancing in on the bird, it kind of helped bring out that detail in those feathers. So was the bird backlit? Because with that, that I'm guessing that, that flash was used to fill in what um, rim light that was coming over it, or was it just evenly lit? Because I, I know the flash is going to freeze the action, but also when animals are backlit, as you're well aware, uh, that's going to cause an issue with the subject being very dark since the background is so much brighter. Is was that your workaround or do you use other steps to get so, past that? So the, the setup that I used the most sitting on my front porch is I had a bunch of aspen trees growing around the porch. Oh, that sounds horrible. And I would hang the feeders. Yeah, I, ha- I hung the feeders in the in the trees. And I would sit out there at sunrise, you know, and so the, the, the sun's coming up behind the birds. Okay. So they do have some backlighting, but there's enough trees there that that really wasn't the issue. It was more that they were in the shade. And so by playing around with the light, I was able to get some pretty pretty cool shots of the birds. And it was just something I did for fun. Yeah. So. And so if someone doesn't have the flash set up and they're just trying to photograph their, you know, their neighborhood robin or they get a magpie or some other, you know, air, bird that's native to the area come through, what do you suggest doing? Making sure that the bird is front lit and avoid backlighting, or what are some tips that you could put out there for people who are just picking up this hobby? Yeah, I, you know, try to either get them front lit or maybe have the sun off your 
right or left shoulder a little bit so they're getting a little bit of side lighting on them. Um, you can shoot birds a little bit later in the day, mm-hmm. which is nice. Um, you don't have to worry because bright light will actually help you get a better exposure of them because they usually are in trees and things like that. So you can get away with a lot more. For sure. Um, I, I would only use flash on the smaller birds. Birds like owls, you don't want to use a flash. Um, you get you get red-eyed really bad. Um, so you want to avoid, and, and it just, the owl's eyes work differently because they're, they're night and low light hunters. Mm-hmm. So the flash can harm their eyes. So you don't want to use a flash on like an owl or, or you know, birds of prey. No, and, and that's part of your roots when it comes to your experience with wildlife and, and traveling around. I remember a story when you guys were in Yellowstone where you literally, or you told my dad, I don't know if it happened or it was a retell of a story, but someone walked off of the bridge and you literally just, because you're a bigger, stronger guy, picked them up and put them back on there. Was that on that trip or, <laughs> I mean, the, where? No, getting... that's, a, that, that's another trip where that was a, uh, one of the geysers. Gotcha. No, and, and the point of that is, is that you have a deep, profound respect for wildlife and making sure that you are not harming them and you even make sure that other people are respecting it as well, too. One story that stands out going back to Yellowstone is when you had that fox and you guys were wondering why it was so domesticated and habituated and you saw those people that were tossing treats to them and you thought it was chocolate at first and they thought they were all wise backing their car up because they only had a rear license plate up to a snowbank and they didn't realize these two dudes or I, I, probably three or four people out there have these huge lenses on there. And when they pull off, you sure as heck were going to get a license plate. What happened with that story? They actually caught them. They did. Good. Yes. Um, yeah, I had quite a bit of interaction with the Park Service over that. Um, it is illegal to feed wildlife. And the Park Service takes it very seriously. And Unfortunately, they... that fox became a problem and oh. they had to euthanize it. Oh goodness! And that was such a beautiful fox. I mean, you, yeah, you it guys... was. It was a gorgeous fox. It was in that, you know because it's winter time, and fox in the winter are just beautiful because they're in the best coat that they possibly can have. They're, they're just gorgeous, and they because they're in a park, they kind of get used to people to begin with. Mm-hmm. But these people, and they were locals. That was the sad part because oh, no. they were local people, and. Yeah, so they they got nailed, and but yeah, I had to um, testify via uh, Skype on that one. Um, they ended up have going to court, and that was kind of that was a kind of an interesting thing doing the Skype Skype call with the judge. I bet, and that's the main thing is people need to listen to rangers, read the rules because ignorance is not really an excuse. I was in. Rocky Mountain National with my dad earlier in September and there was a moose and her calf and they were trying to cross the road and we noticed a Honda stopped in front of us and the ranger came over his loudspeaker telling that guy not to stop so my dad grabbed his camera did a burst of shots at the passenger side window and then we pulled down to the next actual official pull off and then the ranger asked me if I can start stopping traffic and I'm not going to tell a federal officer no so I start you know stopping traffic so the traffic leaving Rocky Mountain to go towards Grand Lake on the south end they were starting to yell at me and everyone's just so unhinged right now that they're just saying what are you to do that and I, and I just thought to myself 
a federal officer who has probably as much authority as a federal marshal is telling me to do something, I'm not going to tell the guy no. So if you want to complain, you can go march down and talk to that officer. So, I mean, that's really where I share that concern too, because they had to get that moose out of that situation and not disturb the wildlife. And in certain areas, I've seen people do some dumb things, and you've seen it too on social media, people walking up to bear, people losing their trousers because they would think that a bison's not going to charge them. Uh, have you seen any of that in real life? Oh, yeah. Um, I was in a bear jam five springs ago, I guess. It was five years ago. Okay. And there's probably 400 people there photographing this uh, mama black bear with two cubs. Mm-hmm. And they were koi, so they were the cubs of the year. So they were little tiny things. And they were really cute, and they were playing, and it was really cool. This lady pulls up in front of all the photographers, and the bears are probably only about 100 feet away from us. She starts throwing Cheetos out the window. Oh, crap. To the bears. Um, and there's, there's two rangers standing there watching this. And they're screaming at her, and she's just ignoring them. Because she wants the bears to come up to the car. Needless to say, that didn't end well for her. No. Um, <laughs> or the bears, because then what the what the rangers had to do is they had to chase the bears away. So they um, they hazed the bears to get the mama bear to leave because they don't want to eat the food. So they kept her from eating the food, and so it kind of ruined it for everybody that was enjoying these these young cubs. And then. I don't even want to think about what the ticket was for that one. Probably a couple thousand dollars, I would guess. Because there is no cheap fines here in the park when you do something stupid like that. So, but yeah, I mean, it's people are people do the dumbest things, and you just sit there and scratch your head. I'm waiting because I I keep telling my wife that one of these days I'm going to get that that shot of that bison flipping that tourist in the air. <laughs> Yeah, make sure you get that shot in high shutter um, speed on there and get it frozen and get the expression on their face of, oh, crap, yeah, I should have done that. Yeah, make sure I get 4K, 4K video, too, so I'll have both cameras running at the same time. Exactly. And speaking of 4K, and this is a great segue into it, what are you shooting? I know that when you were shooting last, you were shooting uh, 5DSs or 5DRs, 5D Mark IVs, and you also had a, the newer 1DX. I know that you're, you were eager to switch over to mirrorless. Have you made the move? I'm waiting. I mean, I'm waiting on a camera right now for the R5. I ordered one. Nice. Um, I'm still shooting the the 5D4, and I also have the R. Okay. Um, and I really love the R. It, the The weight difference is just so nice. If I got to walk somewhere, I'm going to grab the R right now, um, just because it's so much lighter. And really, I don't need I don't need a new camera, other than I'm trying to reduce the amount of weight that I'm carrying in my bag when I travel. And that's probably my biggest reason for going to the mirrorless system. It's not because I need better image quality or anything like that. It's I need to get my pack weight down because it's getting harder and harder to fly with camera gear. When you, once you leave the United States, restrictions start coming into effect about how much weight you can have in a carry-on. Yeah, especially so Africa. That's my that's my biggest reason. Oh yeah, because flying out to the bush, you're only allowed 15 kilos. So and about 30, gets, 30 pounds. That right? gets it. Yeah, it's 32 something pounds, 33 okay. pounds basically. But you put a couple of big pieces of glass in your bag, 
and you eat up that that weight pretty quickly. And we had that discussion because you and I, when I was getting into the podcasting and revamping the photography, I was about ready to buy a MacBook Pro, and you said, maybe take a second look at that iPad Pro because, honestly, you can do some of the work that you need to do out in the field on that, especially with USB-C on it, and the laptop's going to be a little bit more powerful, but at the end of the day, that weight savings is really what it comes down to. And once you start to travel more and more frequently, I think that you're a little backwards if you start packing heavier, you start to realize packing lighter is the way to go. Is that what your experience has been? Yeah, I'm, yeah, with my goal is to get my, my bag down to about 10 kilos. Wow. So, Um, and that's going to be mainly from the mirrorless system lens weight difference and switching to possibly an iPad as well too, or? Yeah. Uh, I, iPad pro. Okay. And then, um, then I will, uh, I'll have two mirrorless bodies with me. And then I've actually trimmed down what I take when I travel to places like that, uh, 300 F two, eight, 70 to 200 and a 1635 and that's pretty much all i need when i travel on a couple teleconverters but so you're bringing a big have, a big that's going to be my kit yeah i like the 3028 it's not too big okay not too heavy it's really easy to handhold because of its size and it's extremely sharp and so what do you shoot when you're shooting longer lenses like that because we had this discussion uh, for those um, who don't know we had we we're talking about photography yesterday and that was something that my dad and I were talking about. You like to shoot your lenses wide open, and my dad will stop down to about f8, f11 due to his depth of field. But when you're shooting, do you do that with only primes, or do you do that with your your telephoto zoom lenses as well, where you're shooting wide open as much as possible for light? Yeah, almost always I'm shooting wide open. Um, my my go-to lens here in in the park in Yellowstone is my 500 f4, and yeah, that that stays wide open. I don't even I never adjust that. Um, I use my shutter shutter speed and ISO and just leave it wide open and you get some amazing pictures with that, that setup. I bet. And so w- being in Yellowstone, have you noticed, I, I know you said this morning you got similar some similar precipitation to snow or ice pellets. And I forgot the exact word of what, what it's called because uh, we don't get it very much around here. But have the colors changed out there like they have in Colorado and are there any leaves left or what are your plans to get out and start shooting? Cause I know that you're now in essentially heaven for a photographer. I mean, what's, what's on your agenda? Well, pretty much all the leaves are off the trees. Okay. Now um, we had a couple of big winds and that stripped all the trees. So um, this morning, though, the ground is just covered in color and then that little bit of it's brothel. It's, not snow and it's not hail it's kind of in between and it was a well it's up to 31 degrees here now outside but um, it was 29 this morning oh it's 70 70 here i feel really bad for you actually (laughs) 63 here in the basement but uh i love i love the cold so it doesn't that doesn't bother me 100 percent so with that, are, are you waiting for that big first snow? Because I, I know that this morning we were looking at snow versus the ice pellets uh, coming down, and we're lo- trying to see whether you could get a sunrise shot. I mean, is that really what you're itching for, is to, to get some beautiful scenery out there? Or are you going to – I know there's an owl that you're looking at as well too. What's the what's first on your agenda? Well, right now I'm trying to get this find this great gray owl. Um, there's actually three of them that I'm trying to find. So later today I'm going to – take off and head into the park if the roads will be good 
and I'm going to go look for a great gray, um, which is the biggest of the owls. They're huge. I mean, you see those things and they're like, wow. But uh, I'm going to go spend some time trying to find that. And then uh, probably spend a little bit more time. I got a got a few more owls that I'm looking for. I'm really looking forward for winter because I really want to see some pygmy owls. And the pygmy owls, you see them a little bit more in the winter around here. They're just a little easier to spot in the trees because they're great camouflaged bird that just disappears into the trees. So, But in the wintertime when everything's white, they kind of stand out. A little more contrast. Yeah, yeah, they just pop out of the, out of the tree. If, you know, they're sitting there, but they're, they're really tiny, so I'm hoping we get some here. I've got a fox that's been coming through um, where my house is here, so uh, he's been rather elusive. But uh, so just kind of playing around some wildlife here late in the year. Probably go down and see the elk here um, on the way to see the, the Great Grave today. See how, how they're doing along the river. Maybe pick off a couple shots of that. Beautiful. Well, that sounds like a fun-filled day, and I'm not going to keep you um, much more on here, and I sincerely appreciate your time joining me. But for those who want to see your beautiful work, uh, I'm going to plug here um, your website, redcliffsphotography.com, and then we also have your Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash redcliffsphotography, Instagram as well. You stay pretty active on with Instagram forward slash photography. Anywhere else where people can reach you, take a look at your work, or try to sync up with you if 2020 pans out to be a better year and we can get to traveling and doing some workshops again? Yeah, I'm going to try to get, I'm going to go back and get my uh, permits to run workshops here in the park. Okay. And uh, do some photo tours here in the park. I was doing that in Southern Utah for a few years and just was getting to be too much work. So, but I am going to do that a little bit and. So hopefully uh, set up some fun trips to other places around the world. I'll be setting up another trip to Africa, um, either in 2021 or 2022. It'll just depend upon how the travel bans and that go. But I will be doing some more Africa stuff and going to other locations in Africa. But uh, yeah, people are in the area send me a message. I'd love to go out and shoot with people if they're, they're around or if they're just looking for some in, intel. I'm, I'm always hanging out and being retired helps that I don't have to sort of do that work thing. Oh yeah. I, I've just bounced back into going back to the Monday through Friday and, and you and my dad having that retired life, you've earned it. And that's the beauty of it is it gives you that flexibility. And as long as someone has an open mind, they're willing to learn, willing to listen and go out there and, and create good photos and it really doesn't matter what kind of camera that you bring i suggest hitting jeff up he's really one of the nicest guys out there and definitely if you get him and tim together you can have some fun i remember sliding down um, some pink sand dunes in utah with you guys and finding sand can get in places i never imagined um but <laughs> and that's uh, that was a fun day <laughs> i forgot about that one that i forgot oh man that was hilarious yeah that was a fun day yeah, I'll have to post the, the video in the, the show comments on there because I think you took a photo or video from the top of me sliding down, giggling like a little kid, and then my dad took one from the bottom or vice versa, but that was great. I mean, the, those are the type of adventures that you would expect to have with you as long as you come with your a positive attitude and you're willing to go out there and, and just be 
you know, check your ego at the door type situation. I think that that's the type of human you are. And, and as long as you're that type of person, anyone can get along with you, man. Yeah. Well, the, Tim will tell you that the most important thing if you go out shooting with me is to bring food. Because <laughs> I'm the, I'm notorious for going out and forgetting to feed and get people food. So he's learned his lesson. He always carries a bunch of snacks and stuff in his camera bag because he knows if I get on a, on like an animal or something, I'm not moving until I get a good shot. Oh, yeah. My dad and I are the same way, especially when traveling. We'd be climbing, you know, hills and mountains in Europe or whatever. And we'd be like, oh, we don't have water. Oh, we haven't eaten all day. And it seems when you're really dedicated and passionate about it, it's good to have that that friend who still says, yeah, we need nourishment and hydration. It's overrated. Come <laughs> on. Who needs to eat? And who needs to sleep? I mean, we said that all the time getting up early in China and Utah and, and other places we've oh. traveled together. And we're just like, we'll sleep when we're dead. Yep. Awesome. Well, hey, it's been a awesome pleasure and i know we say awesome way too much in the united states after hearing that in china and i'm very cognizant of it now but it has been amazing to talk to you jeff and i'll definitely make sure that people start following you reach out to you because if you don't reach out to jeff then you're just scared you're a scaredy cat because he's not going to bite you but thank you for joining me today on this recording and i hope that 2021 blossoms into a much better year for you man all right thanks and you have a great day and i'm gonna go have some fun heck yeah man you get after it all right, I hope everybody enjoyed that episode, and I hope it was worth the wait. And like I said, we're going to get back on a regular release schedule again. And I wanted to mention a shout-out to an affiliate I have here, Luminar. Skylim Software came out into being, as it was called, Mac Fun, And it used to be only available on Macintosh, and that wasn't good enough for the photography community. And Luminar stepped up, and they created... Luminar for Mac as well as PC, and they also have an amazing, tasteful way of doing HDR photography with their other programs. So with that being said, head on over to beardwinner.com and always click on support in the right-hand corner. From there, you'll see Skylim software. If you use the offer code BEARDWIN, you can actually save $10 off with that coupon code. Once again, that coupon code is just like the other ones, and I try to keep it as simple and similar to the rest of them, but it is code BEARDWIN. If you use that, you'll get $10 off, and they are a great alternative for your digital asset management, just like Lightroom is. So if you've been fed up with Lightroom, you want to try something new, you want something powerful, something fun that uses AI and it's intuitive, please check out skylum.com and use offer code BEARDWIN for some savings. I hope that you guys are enjoying the episodes. I can't wait to hear from you all. It looks like someone reached out on Facebook. I don't know if it's an ad or a bot, but we'll see here once I get this episode mastered and get it uploaded to you all. But thank you for your support, the continued downloads, the sharing, and spreading the word. I sincerely appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to take a listen. Thank you, and we'll talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.